Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things we can do for people and the planet. My name's Kevin Fulda. I'm your podcast host. And this week we're going to talk about CAR T cell therapies. And the reason this is important and why I want you to know about it is because CAR T cell therapies show tremendous promise in treating some specific diseases, namely cancers. And specific types of cancers. And as we continue to improve healthcare and maybe succumb less to mundane, well, I don't really mean it like that, but disorders like heart attacks or, um, you know, the flu, you know, as that becomes less common, we'll see later onset diseases such as cancers and other types of neurodegenerative diseases becoming really penetrating issues in our families and within our friends. And so understanding the therapies and being at the forefront of being able to help explain them is something I would like you to be able to communicate. And today we're going to speak with Dr. Joe Freyetta. He's an assistant professor in the microbiology department in the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Freyetta. Thank you very much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you on. I probably because as I've learned more about this field, I've found your reviews particularly useful. Um, ones that you've been a central author as well as, you know, part of an authorship team. And you've covered a lot of, lot of ground in this area. But let's dive right in. Can, can, can you free, please describe to us what is CAR T cell therapy and what is a CAR T cell? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, first of all, a CAR T cell is a breakthrough in cancer treatment. We all sort of understand that. Um, But essentially, these are patient, typically patient T cells that are genetically modified to express an artificial receptor that binds a protein that we call an antigen um, on the surface of a tumor. And that allows the T cells to kill antigen positive cells. And so when we talk about this protein antigen, it's very specific to the tumor um, or it's overexpressed by the tumor compared to normal tissue. And in this way, we could really direct T cells with virtually any specificity that we want, um, specificities that these cells didn't have before. And so, you know, why is this important? Well, like cells infected with pathogens and so bacteria and viruses, um, cancer cells, tumor cells undergo changes from their normal steady state. And these sort of changes typically mark the cancer cells as target for destruction by the immune system. But many tumors um, have cleverly uh, worked around this. They're um, a little Darwinian in a sense. That's the way that I think of it. And they can mutate and find ways to either evade or uh, dampen the immune response to ensure their own survival. And so this is why um, the T cells that a person is born with can rarely do uh, battle against cancer. And with these synthetic chimeric antigen receptors or CARs, we're arming the T cells to do battle. That's how I would put it. 
Well, this is really fascinating because you mentioned that you start with the patient's own cells. So isn't this really just the epitome of personalized medicine? Oh, absolutely. Um, as you said, you know, we're using a patient's own T cells for therapy. So I would uh, consider this to be highly personalized. Um, in the actual process of making CAR T cells, a patient's cells are, are collected via a process that we call apheresis or leukophoresis that withdraws the white blood cells. And then the T cells are, are um, enriched and genetically engineered to produce CARs on the surface. And then the CARs are expanded um, in the laboratory until we obtain a sufficient number. And once expanded, the CAR T cells are then um, transfused back into the patient. So it really doesn't get more personalized than that. Um, interestingly, this technology was once thought, to, you know, when I started to get into the field, many people said that it was too personalized or too boutique. And, and my argument has always been that, you know, so was bone marrow transplantation in the 1950s. And decades later, um, we're doing over 20,000 bone marrow transplantations each year in just the United States alone. Um, so it can be done. Uh, that's, I'm glad you said in the United States. I thought you meant you were doing 20,000. 20, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting really good. <laughs> you mean like, you know, we're doing it. You mean yes, like a small yeah. W. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, the royal we. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, can you give me some examples of places? This is very new technology. So where are some places where it has been successfully you know, applied? And are there patients today who are alive today because they received these therapies? Oh, absolutely. So um, our most successful example to date, it has been in blood cancers, um, particularly um, advanced relapse, highly refractory leukemias. Um, so for example, in pediatric and young adult acute lymphoblastic leukemia, CAR T cells that are targeted against the CD19 protein um, have uh, affected complete remission rates of over 80% which is quite remarkable for any form of cancer therapy. Um, we also have subsets of adult patients with advanced leukemia who have experienced long-term durable remissions following the CAR T-cell treatment, and their remissions are ongoing um, past nine years. Uh, so that's rather remarkable. And um, we're also treating other indications. So uh, CD19-directed CAR T-cells are FDA-approved, as you know. Um, and another indication is diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. We're also starting to see um, early promising results, we and other cancer centers in uh, multiple myeloma, bone marrow cancer, and just many other indications as well. Um, but so far, you know, they've really made a splash, well, CAR T-cells, that is um, in the setting of these highly relapsed refractory uh, leukemias. And we always hear that, you know, cancer is a spectrum of diseases. It's not just yeah. one disease. But when you talk about CAR T19, which is directed against the CD19 antigen, mm -hmm. how broad is that? What, what can you solve with the uh, CAR T19 cells? Many, many cancers that arise from um, B cells and the CD19 protein is, is interestingly, um, it, it's expressed by B cells very early on during their development. Um, so um, many cancers that are sort of stem-like express this CD19 protein um, and so do normal B cells, by the way. So one of the side effects uh, of the therapy that I also hope to speak with you about 
is um, B-cell aplasia. So when we treat patients with these CD19-directed CAR T-cells, we also, in addition to the tumor, wipe out the patient's normal B-cells, but that can be managed clinically. Um, so CD19 uh, is, is very um, B-cell restricted, I would say, and it's a very good um, antigen to target for a number of these um, malignancies of, of B-cells for a number of these blood cancers. Well, you mentioned the B-cell aplasia, but what are some of the other um, factors that maybe limit the efficacy of the therapies? So I know you talk about, you know, the expansion of the CAR T-cells, the persistence inside the body, how long they last to uh, do their job. You know, what are some of the other barriers to successful treatments? Yes. Well, as you said, um, you know, cancer is a very uh, heterogeneous disease and we, um, one major barrier to the success and, you know, really generalizing this technology is that we don't have great antigens like CD19 for all cancers um, and tumors in this kind of Darwinian process, you know, they've evolved to uh, downregulate a lot of these antigens and it, and um, they're also heterogeneous in terms of antigen expression. Um, and this is where I think combinations of therapies, particularly CAR T cells with, with different specificities, administering them in combinations, um, you know, um, might be the solution um, to that problem. In some of the patients, particularly the pediatric and young adult uh, patients, um, with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, once they're treated with these CD19-directed CAR T-cells, what sort of happens is, as the tumor evolves, is, is what we call antigen escape, where the CD19 protein or the portion of that protein recognized by the CAR is, is sort of lost. And then you, you get the emergence of a resistant tumor. So again, in this setting, I think um, we really need to move towards uh, combination therapies. So that's another... Um, major barrier. And I would also say um, some of the toxicities, you know, that we've seen like any other cancer therapy, um, cytokine release syndrome is sort of a signature toxicity associated with CAR T cell therapy. And we saw it early on um, in patients where the, where the CAR T cells expanded robustly in vivo. And it's just that the T cells are pouring out cytokines, these soluble chemical messengers that activate other cells to dump out more pro-inflammatory factors. So um, from what I've heard from our clinical teams, you know, that can be quite frightening and quite difficult to manage clinically. But thanks to the pioneering efforts of many folks here and at other cancer centers, we now have sort of a standard treatment algorithm and we can manage that um, toxicity uh, very well. But nevertheless, it's still a you know, still a risk, still a, a side effect. Um, many of the patients, though, actually look at it in a positive way because if they're getting cytokine release syndrome, it means that the CAR T cells are expanding, and that means that perhaps they have a better chance of of working and doing battle against that tumor. Yeah, you see, I always thought that the cytokine cytokine storm was more related to um, other. So, if you'd use the generic cell type or donor T cell, but it still happens even with autologous donation. Yes, absolutely. With autologous okay. cells. 
Yes. Yeah. So it's a misunderstanding on my part. Wow. Um, that's good that we talked about that. So we're, we're speaking with Dr. Joe Frietta. He's an assistant professor in the microbiology department at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. And we're talking about CAR T cell therapies and how they're being applied to specific cancers. It's revolutionary technology. I really want you to understand. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, everybody. This is Kevin with an important message from the Talking Biotech podcast. Now, the university continues to receive harassment and FOIA requests regarding what I do and why I do it and who I communicate with to do it. Recently, it's been brought up again that the Talking Biotech podcast is somehow connected to the University of Florida. Now, why they make those allegations, I don't know. Apparently, they feel that there's some funding that's coming to the university that must be funding this high-quality <laughs> production and paying significant dividends to the host to apparently spread misinformation about science. Hmm. The funny part is, I did suggest to the university that they make this an officially sanctioned uh, podcast that would go hand-in-hand with other university outreach, but the deans declined. They said that they didn't need this podcast as part of their portfolio, which is fun. So I continue to do this at home. I do it on my own time and do the interviews on my own equipment, my own computer. This is 100% me. It's something I enjoy in my spare time. Like some guys build remote control airplanes. Some guys collect Star Wars figurines. (laughs) Some guys, you know, work on cars. I whatever. This is what I like to do in my spare time. That it's so important to me to communicate science that it doesn't stop when I leave the lab. I really want you to understand what this technology is and isn't and feel more comfortable when you try to communicate this with others. It's extremely important for us to do that effectively because if we're going to see technology go from innovation to application, it's going to require good communication. Thank you for listening, and thank you for continuing to share this podcast with others. And now we're back on the Talking Biotech podcast. We're speaking about CAR T-cell therapies, and it's a revolutionary, rather new technique in a way of addressing specific cancers. And we're speaking with Dr. Joe Frietta, who's a professor at the Perlman Music... Perlman Music School <laughs> at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, we're speaking about this topic today. And you mentioned um, the CAR T cell therapies as uh, blood cancers. And you can imagine that this would work really well because they would be soluble. They would be in the bloodstream with B cells or in places where B cells may congregate and therefore have access to the malignant cells. Are there other opportunities to use this technology against solid tumors? Uh, absolutely. That is the million dollar question, by the way, Kevin. Um, you know, will this work against solid tumors, which are much more common than, than blood cancers, actually? Um, and uh, I'm a believer, and I do think in the years to come, um, in the not too distant future, we will get, um, you know, the same degree of clinical efficacy against um solid tumors as we're seeing with the blood cancers, but there are barriers that are operative in solid tumors that are, that are very unique. So as you said, um, you know, the amount of antigen that the CAR T cells could see and bind to, which 
potentiates the expansion of these cells, which is very directly correlated with the response. And so you can imagine that in solid tumors, antigen access could be a problem. Um, and also many solid tumors are profoundly, profoundly immunosuppressive. Um, and we've done some uh, early trials in glioblastoma. And although um, our uh, you know, um, CAR T cells directed against these glioblastomas did get into the tumor, and there was some antigen loss, it seems that functionally they were just shut down. Um, and this is attributed, of course, to this immunosuppressive tumor microenvironment that I alluded to. So a solid tumor microenvironment is, is much like a sewer, and you're expecting you know, these cells that you've manufactured to get to the site. Once you get enough of the cells there, and they're, they're there in um, sufficient numbers, they have to uh, mediate their effector functions in this profoundly immunosuppressive microenvironment. So those challenges are very unique to, to CAR T cell therapy of um, solid tumors. So we, you know, we have to deal with trafficking, um, access, um, and immunosuppression, uh, just as a few barriers. Yeah, it seems like a, quite a formidable set of barriers. Yeah. I mean, getting it in the same place where it can actually do the job, especially in things like glioblastoma, you mentioned, you know, that getting into compartments where these things may hide mm -hmm. could be really challenging, it would seem. Um, is there any way of coupling this with other technologies? And I know you've re written recently written a review about gene editing and uh, right. using CRISPR-Cas9 along with CAR T-cell therapies. And how are those two technologies working together? Yeah, well, CRISPR technology is, um, you know, it's just such a powerful tool for editing genomes. Um, and it's just um, driving forward this technology, this adoptive T-cell therapy in so many ways. Um, so very basically, uh, and I'm sure you've discussed CRISPR on other podcasts, but it allows us to easily alter DNA sequences and modify gene function. And it has so many applications, you know, the list is endless. Um, but of course, CAR T cells is the, is the application that I'm working on. Um, so performing this genome editing um, in CAR T cells that we adoptively transfer into hosts could make them resistant to some of these immunosuppressive barriers in the tumor microenvironment that we were discussing um, previously. And um, the great thing about this technology is it seems to be um, multiplexable. You know, you can multiplex it and um, edit several different genes. Um, you know, it's not just one thing that um, um, I would say drives immunosuppression, right, or, or shuts down the T cells in this microenvironment. It's a multifactorial kind of thing. So the ability to multiplex in the setting of CRISPR um, has just really um, helped us to improve the potency of these cells, particularly for treating some of the solid tumor indications. Well, another application I heard about, and you can you know correct me if I'm wrong and maybe steer me here a bit, was that uh, for use especially in children um, that they were that had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, they were actually using gene editing to remove the surface antigens that recognize the cells as self, because yes. this way you could have a generic donor, like I could donate, they yes. take my cells. And is that something that may make this even more likely to be portable and maybe, you know, some sort of generic cell line that is targeting this particular antigen or has this um, maybe viability in a certain microenvironment. So you wouldn't have to re-engineer a patient's own cells. Is that coming? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, it will take some time, I think. But uh, unfortunately, I've heard from a lot of clinicians that a lot of patients, you know, unfortunately die waiting to receive their CAR T cells. So um, that would reduce the, the time, you know, from um, referring a patient to CAR T cell therapy to treatment. Um, and also we could have, as you mentioned, Kevin, a very um, potent universal allogeneic T cell product. And that would overcome a lot of the defects that we see. They could be patient specific, disease specific defects in the autologous T cell setting, right? Because not all patients T cells, of course, um, work. And patients have been on, um, you know, different chemotherapies, uh, that are perhaps the first line for that particular disease that really um, just beats the T-cells up. And so what we collect is the seed population for CAR T-cell therapy is, you know, defective to begin with. So I think in that setting, um, engineering an allogeneic product using CRISPR um, could really make a big difference and increase access for a number of patients. Yeah, so you mentioned this idea of access and that it takes time to create the cells. And so everything has a downside, right? But what are some of the other risks and how do they compare to other, um, you know, other types of treatments that strive to solve problems like cancer? I mean, are, are there, we know that things like chemotherapy have side effects, for instance. What are some of the other central risks that you have seen either clinically or hypothetically? Hypothetically, well, um, in terms of toxicities, um, you know, the, the, the target antigen selection is very critical. Um, and many of the antigens that we target are tumor associated more than tumor specific. That is, um, tumors may overexpress these antigens, but a certain level is expressed on normal tissues. Um, and so that's a very, very challenging thing to um, screen preclinically, that is on target off tumor toxicity. Um, so depending on, you know, where your target is, you could have, you know, organ damage from the CAR T cells reacting against normal tissue. Um, and, you know, there are ways to sort of mitigate that a bit to tune the affinity of the receptor and also just, you know, being smart about selecting antigens that are more tumor restricted. Um, so that's one thing. Um, also the cost of this, you know, it's, it, it's a very, um, costly therapy. But if you think about it, um, there are also, you know, what I refer to as financial toxicities um, imposed by, by chemotherapy and effective, but other non-curative, you know, curative therapies. It's a major challenge um, for patients. And this is where I think the CAR T cells can make a big difference. Um, although it's expensive um, to manufacture CAR T cells, um, you know, you have challenges with the complexity of administration and having to monitor the patients. It also has the potential to be curative, unlike um, many chemotherapies and, and targeted drugs. Um, so uh, that's where I think, you know, we can make um, a big difference because, again, you can have a single infusion of CAR T cells. And um, what we would hope is that that could potentially cure a patient. And, you know, unlike some of well, unlike chemotherapy in a lot of settings and, and some of these other targeted agents. Um, so it's very expensive up front, but, um, you know, if something's curative and you can get that from a single infusion, then, then that can make a big difference. And I think um, 
help us to solve some of those, you know, uh, looming problems, those looming healthcare costs associated with cancer therapy. That's a really interesting question and a good point that you brought up, but I guess maybe I'll ask you to take out the crystal ball a little bit because <laughs> is this the kind of thing that because, you know, as it gets better and as we, uh, it, it gets out of a few specialized centers of, of CAR T cell therapies and maybe even become something that you can get at a local urgent care, you know, a, a local outpatient facility. Yeah. You know, is this something that will ultimately make very directed and very specific cancer therapies more effective, more accessible, and even lower cost? Yes, we believe so. We believe so. I mean, so for example, you know, other forms of we could take immunotherapy like checkpoint inhibitors. Um, if they're given as just a single agent, they cost about $150,000 per year in the U.S. And then, um, you know, if you're working with combinations of checkpoint inhibitors in, in the setting of cancer, the cost could exceed $250,000 per patient. Um, whereas, you know, a, a single administration of, of um, CAR T cells is about $430,000 to $475,000 but again, that single administration could mediate long-term durable remission and perhaps even, even cure um, patients. And so again, that's why we think the CAR T cells could also serve as an eventual solution to the increasing costs of medical care and cancer. So let's look forward on the horizon. A really promising therapy. It's working well in lots of applications. But what are some things that you've seen either at meetings or conferences that really give you a little bit of hope in solving a really insidious problem? Yes. Yeah, so I think um, one of the biggest things that, that I've seen and, and what will emerge in the next couple of years is that CAR T cells don't um, end with, with hematologic malignancies. And we and others are seeing early results that we're finally turning the quarter corner, excuse me, in the context of um, solid tumor immunotherapy. So cracking that um, will be big and it will be a huge paradigm shift, um, you know, in terms of treating cancer. Um, but it doesn't end there. Um, so um, in terms of what I've seen uh, just out there, people are applying this sort of therapy to infectious disease, um, to autoimmune disorders, um, even to heart disease. So our uh, dean here at, at UPenn just published a paper in Nature um, for using CAR T cells against, um, you know, fibrotic tissue um, that you see in heart disease. So I think the applications are, are virtually um, endless with, with, you know, this therapy. And again, the, the attractive uh, part of this is although it's, you know, highly specialized and at this point highly patient-specific, in, in um, some ways, um, it has the potential to be curative. And that's what the immune system can do. It can, um, I think, um, mediate long-term durable remission of cancer and hopefully many other diseases. And so that's really the power of this therapy. And I think that's what's on the horizon. And then as we spoke about before, having these universal products, um, getting them to affect very potent anti-tumor responses, right? And um, uh, increasing persistence of these allogeneic products. So that's what's going to be, you know, a big challenge. I, I think that that, um, we're gonna make um, a lot of great progress in that setting over the next um, five to 10 years. 
Yeah, if that long, right? <laughs> These things yeah, go so not, fast. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, I I really am optimistic. I think these things, yeah. you know, we we didn't we couldn't have predicted this, you know, fifteen no. years ago, and uh, just to be able to understand that these things are possible, and then as we learn from them, how we'll continue to hone this to make it work even better. Um, yeah. You know, I always say the best of times, you know, are are ahead of us. <laughs> if people do want to learn more about you know your program or about CAR T cell therapies, is there a place where they could look online or somewhere where they could follow in social media? Oh, absolutely, and I would be thrilled if they did. So, um, more information about my own research program can be found on the University of Pennsylvania Department of Microbiology website, and that could be accessed at micro.med.upenn.edu. Um, also, I hope that your listeners will check out the many wonderful research endeavors going on in the Penn Medicine Center for Cellular Immunotherapies, and um, that is at www.med.upenn.edu slash CCI. And of course, uh, the Abramson Family Cancer Center at the University of Pennsylvania, and that could be accessed at www.pennmedicine.org slash cancer. Awesome. So that's great because I hope people do get up to speed on this because, you know, I, I lost a friend of cancer who had a very aggressive type of cancer that really, really took her out um, fast. And it was the kind of thing where she was seeking every single therapy she could for probably about five years. She They gave her six months and she got five years, but she tried everything and she didn't get this. And it's one of these things that I think that people who are going through it, who have family members who are suffering, to just have the hope that a new emerging technology may be very close is something that can really be helpful. So thank you for the resources. Yeah. And that in our lifetimes, I think that this will be standard of care for certain cancers. So that's tremendously exciting. Well, Dr. Joe Freyetta, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And, you know, please come back again when you have a big breakthrough, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> sooner, real soon, I hope. I would be delighted. Thank you very much, Kevin. Have a great day. Okay, thank you. And thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Um, thank you very much. This is a wonderful episode for you to share with others and start to really give the good ideas that these technologies can have great effects for people and the planet. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to talkingbiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review of this podcast on iTunes and recommend it to a friend. More downloads help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at collabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.